Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Concussion Talk. This is episode number three. Uh, today we have three uh, questions as usual. And uh, if you're not able to see us live, you can always catch us on podcast, Apple iTunes, as well as SoundCloud. Our first question today comes from Tyler on Facebook. Uh, Facebook sorry. And the question is, is it okay to ride roller coasters or airplanes when dealing with symptoms? Or in which phase is it okay? Uh, I will address the airplane question first. Um, there's not really a lot of research in this area, actually, and um, the only study that I'm aware of that's been done in this was looking at NHL players, uh, so that's hockey, uh, professional hockey players, and it was within six hours after their injury. Uh, what they did is they looked back through the literature and they looked, or sorry, through the injury reporting history uh, from the league, and they looked at players that suffered a concussion and they looked at whether or not they ended up having to uh, go by air uh, within six hours of their injury. So if they had a game and then got on a plane and flew to the next city for a follow-up game, uh, they looked at was the recovery of the concussion more prolonged than athletes who had a concussion and didn't have to go uh, travel by air. And what they found is that I think it was 38% more games were missed when athletes had to travel by air immediately following uh, their concussion injury. So in the acute phase, uh, in the very acute phase at least, is the only time that this has really been studied, and the research shows that it can prolong uh, recovery potentially. Now this is a retrospective study, so the results of this um, aren't really that good. I think we need to replicate it, obviously, with different sample sizes, and we also have to look at different time periods from injury. I think in that immediate post-acute phase, there may be some implications for air travel. However, when you get into two, three weeks out after the injury, does it still make a difference? Uh, we don't really know. Uh, my assumption would be likely not. Uh, that is just an assumption, though. In terms of roller coasters, um, that one is a little bit more tricky. Um, I think that the implication or what you're really trying to ask is whether or not the jostling around and the movement of the roller coasters is going to re-injure the brain. Um, our brains are not that fragile. I mean, I, I think that's that's a bit of a of a, um, a bold statement to make when you're talking about concussion, but I think that our, our brains are not fragile enough that just a little bit of jostling is going to create another concussion injury. Uh, but if you are symptomatic, going over those big bumps and jostling side to side uh, could create some vestibular symptoms that would uh, not be fun, especially if you're suffering from those visual vestibular you know, type issues. Um, in terms of the amount of force it takes to actually cause a concussion injury uh, from data in the U.S., you're looking at about 70 to 120 G's of acceleration. So I've said this before in other posts, but what what your what that research comes from is is instrumented helmets in uh, U.S. college and uh, and high school football, where they'll put accelerometers inside football helmets and they'll follow athletes for seasons and seasons, and they'll look at how many hits they took how many hits registered over a certain G threshold, and then if the athlete actually did suffer a concussion, they would look back and see how much force was required to cause that injury. And what they found is like a, a range, I mean, there's still more work to be done in this area, but so far the range, what they found is between 70 and 120 Gs of acceleration uh, with the most, with increased likelihood happening around the 98 G mark. And so G is force of gravity. To put that in perspective, 
if you're in a motor vehicle accident, uh, your airbags in your car are set to deploy at a change of velocity of 48 kilometers an hour or about 30 miles an hour. So if you're in a car accident and you come to a dead stop in an instant uh, from, from 50 kilometers or 30 miles an hour, your airbags will deploy. And then what that translates to is a 60G acceleration or deceleration through the seatbelt. So the amount of force required to cause a concussion being 70 to 120 Gs, you're talking about a tremendous amount of force. So if we bring it back to our roller coaster example, is there enough acceleration going through your head as you ride that roller coaster to re-injure your brain? Well, if we think it takes 70 to 120 Gs, um, I think that, that the roller coaster is likely not hitting that level. Um, but like I said, it could uh, provoke some symptoms if you are experiencing symptoms. And so really it's going to be patient dependent. Whether or not you advise your patients to do that or to avoid it uh, is really going to be um, your, your judgment call as a clinician. I hope that answers the question well enough. But um, question number two. So we actually have two questions from Nazig. Uh, he sent these to me on my concussion doc Instagram page. And um, so question number two I thought was pretty interesting um, given some partnerships that we're in the process of forming. And the question is, I work in the corporate world and have found it to be a struggle given that screens and constant stimulation of the brain. Any suggestions in this regard? So this is a very, very common issue uh, following concussion injuries. And so when you're looking at a computer screen, the LCD background on the screen is, is a light, right? So if you're light sensitive, obviously that can create some problems. But what you don't notice is that when you're looking at a TV screen or a computer screen, the screen is actually refreshing. The screen is actually flickering at about 60 hertz. About 60 times a second, that screen is flashing on and off, and you, you can't even perceive it. Okay, it's happening so fast that you're not even able to perceive uh, that, that flashing or that flickering that's happening. And what that is basically doing to your brain is creating a lot of stimulation. And so patients that have issues with stimulation or having trouble looking at computer screens, it may be because of that refresh rate on the computer that's constantly kind of flashing in your eyes. And so there's a group right now actually in Canada that, that we are uh, forming a partnership with, and they're called Iris Technologies. And what they've built and developed is actually pretty, uh, pretty genius. And what it is is a, um, a computer monitor. It's an adjunct computer monitor that um, is based on e-paper. So if you can picture what a Kindle looks like when you're looking at a Kindle screen, how it looks different. It doesn't look like a computer screen. And it's just a different way of, of demonstrating or presenting an image on a screen, and it doesn't refresh, right? So it's a stagnant, stable image that doesn't kind of flicker and flash on you. But what they've developed is, is an, um, an adjunct monitor, an ad, uh, a separate monitor that you just plug into your computer so that the image, you can browse the internet, you can do Word documents, you can work on Excel spreadsheets, but the image is not flashing in your face 60 times a second. It's actually a stagnant, stable image that's based on an e-paper um, screen. And so I think this technology is pretty interesting. I think it's going to be able to help a lot of people. And so for those that are in the corporate world, um, you may be able to get your hands on this technology uh, very shortly. It is coming out soon. We're actually doing a pilot study with them um, very, very soon here at our, at our Toronto-based clinics. Um, the next one is, is exercise a bad idea? I find a lot of my symptoms get aggravated when I work out. So exercise is not a bad idea, but 
it needs to be done appropriately. So the fact that you're getting symptom onset or symptom increase or exacerbation with exercise likely means, well, it depends on what you're doing, but it likely means that there's a autonomic nervous system dysfunction, uh, particularly in how your brain blood vessels regulate uh, blood flow. So after a concussion in the acute phases, at least in animal studies, we've found that there's about a 50% reduction in blood flow to your brain. And in certain patients, particularly those with uh, lingering and latent symptoms, those blood flow issues can linger. And so the way that we actually test this clinically is we do what's called a buffalo concussion treadmill test. And so I think if you're having issues with exercise, it means that you're likely suffering from this uh, blood flow dysfunction. And so exercise is actually the treatment for this uh, dysfunction. And I'll say that again, exercise is actually the treatment for this issue. But the thing is, you have to do it in the appropriate manner. If you're constantly going out trying to exercise and your symptoms ramp up, and that's just going to set you back, right? So the idea of this is to find out what you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate. And that's what we do with the treadmill test. And so you need to find a trained uh, clinician or a trained therapist in your area. Uh, if you go on completeconcussions.com, you can find uh, therapists that have all been trained in how to do this. Um, and they'll put you through a treadmill test. Uh, and it's, it's just a simple walking test, but there's, you kind of grade it uh, and you gradually increase the patient's heart rate to try and find out any type of threshold for uh, symptom exacerbation. And once you find what that threshold is, then you actually encourage the patient to exercise um, at a percentage of that threshold. So you don't want somebody going out full bore and getting exacerbation of their symptoms. Uh, and interestingly, if you were to do nothing else and you were just to exercise, uh, the evidence on this is demonstrating some pretty substantial, some pretty significant effects just with exercise alone. And so exercise is actually one of the best treatments for concussion. The problem is you need to have somebody who's trained to be able to guide you through how to do it properly. So that's the best way I can sum that up. Uh, again, thank you everyone for who tuned in live. Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, be sure to share it with your friends and uh, we'll keep doing this uh, as frequently as once a week if we can do it, but no, no promises. <laughs> okay, see you guys.